Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. It's an honor to be able to celebrate Christmas with you this evening, and it's going to be a beautiful time. And I believe that God wants to speak to you and speak to us in a very unique way. You know, around Christmas time, we, we see a lot of presents. We see like the big gifts and the big presents that sometimes you see in a mall. And as you go by and you see them, and, and what's, what's mostly common about these big gifts is they're empty. So these gifts that, are, that we see in people's yards or wherever, they look like Christmas. They, uh, they, everything about them, they're set in a setting of, of Christmas lights and Christmas trees. It has, the, it has the likeness of Christmas, but it's Christmas with no content. They're empty. And unfortunately, because of our culture, we're much the same. That around Christmas time, we can look like Christmas. We can come to a church service. We can go to Christmas parties. We can wear the Christmas sweaters and the ugly ones as well. We can do all of that. We can look at Christmas. Our houses can be decorated for Christmas. But if we don't get the content of Christmas, we miss it. Why Christmas? What is the, what's the big deal about Christmas? And why does it matter that we understand Christmas? And I believe that this is the whole heart of God that he wants to speak to us tonight and speak to you tonight. That God doesn't want us to miss Christmas. He doesn't want us to look at Christmas and miss the heart of it, the content of it, what it's really all about. And I want to tell us a story tonight, really the story of why Jesus came. I want to do it in using four phrases. But before I do, there's something we need to understand that, that every human being that's born on the face of the planet is born what's called under the curse of sin. Now, if you've been around church, you've, you've heard that quite often, but that's reality. Every person born on the earth is born in sin. No person, no matter what country they're born in, is born a free person. Everybody is enslaved to sin. And what, had, what happened in the Garden of Eden with Adam is that when he sinned, when he disobeyed God, he was the representative for all of humanity. He handed the keys of ownership to humanity. He handed them over to Satan. Now, there's something remarkable, though, though that happened in the Garden. That in the Garden, at the moment in which the ownership of humanity was handed over to Satan, God gave a promise. God gave a promise that there was going to come a time he was going to undo everything that sin had done to humanity. The original intent of, of humanity is to be with God, to, be, to, to work with God, to be a part of his family. And when Adam chose to disobey, there was a separation. But God set in place a plan to save you. God set in place a plan to save all of us. That's what Christmas is about. And I don't want us to look and see Christmas. I believe God wants us to experience Christmas. So Christmas really in four phrases, the first one is this, that, that God, the purpose of why Christmas matters, why the birth of Jesus matters is this first phrase. And it's, and maybe we, we've, we've misunderstood it, but it's God with us. It's very important we understand that when Jesus came, when God sent his son, when it was God in the flesh born in Bethlehem, it was God with us. 
So in Bethlehem, the cries of the, of the baby boy named Jesus was the first step of God fulfilling the promise that he had made back in the garden. He, he was doing everything he could to get back to you for us to be close to him. And so the cries of baby Jesus were about God fulfilling that promise. It was the beginning of it, not fully fulfilled yet. But also, this other side I want you to think about for a moment, it was God demonstrating something else. Most of us have an idea that God is distant, that God is far off, that God really is uninterested, that God really doesn't wanna be around us because we see our own failures, we see our own flaws. We see our, our own brokenness and we see our own struggles and something in, in, in us as humans thinks that God actually is far off. He's out there somewhere and yes, he might glance at us every once in a while and yes, he's, he's there, but does he really want to be with us? And the birth of Jesus demonstrates this to you, friend, and to, and to me. It says this, that God chose not to be uninterested, not to be distant, he chose to be with us. Because he loves us and he cares for us dearly. The birth of Jesus in Bethlehem is God demonstrating that he wants to be with you. I want you just to think about that for a moment, that the God who created the universe really wants to be with you. This is what we celebrate. This is what we remember every Christmas, that God came to be with us. Matthew 1 says this, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will, call, they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. You see, the birth of Jesus wasn't something that just happened. It just wasn't an accident. It was perfectly planned by God with you in mind. If it, it was perfectly planned by God to fulfill his promise from back in the garden, even 750 years before the birth of Jesus, God was speaking to a prophet his name was Isaiah. And he was answering, seems to be he's answering a question of Isaiah's, how will we know when God, you are among us? How will we know that you're, you're near us? And this is, this is what Isaiah writes. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. There's an astronaut, Jim Irwin, great story. I read this article a while ago and he was, uh, he was one, the one who piloted the Apollo 15 to the moon and they spent three days working on the moon and he was the eighth man to actually walk on the moon in 1971. But he had an encounter with God on the moon that, that changed his life forever. When I read this, I thought that would be a place to have an encounter with God is on the moon. That, that makes perfect sense. But he tells a story as he was on the moon. And the, I'll just, I'll, the article says this. He was working on the moon and got, into, got an overwhelming sense of God's presence. He looked up and he saw the earth coming over the moon's horizon, and he looked around at the stars and the bright blue earth and thought, this has to be the greatest day in human history. That a man walking on the moon that God you made to reflect the sun and to give light to the dark side of the earth at night and standing on the moon, gazing at the earth that you created for man. This has to be the greatest moment in human history. Now up to this point, 
Jim was a nominal Christian. He went to church every once in a while. He, he, you know, he wasn't anti-God, but he wasn't really in a deep relationship with God. And he wasn't growing in his faith. And God spoke to him at this moment. He said, Jim, the greatest day was not when you made, when you, a man, walked on this moon that I made, but when I, God, came and walked on that blue earth as a man. And that's the truth. That's what Christmas is about. It's about God coming to be with us. Christmas is about the fulfillment of God's desire to dwell with us, to be with us, to be near us. It's his desire that to, to demonstrate to you that he, he actually wants to be near you. And that's the beauty of Christmas, that God came to be with us to get us back into relationship with him, back to Garden of Eden status as they would fellowship with God, as they would walk with God. He's demonstrating that's what he wants to do with you this Christmas. So at Bethlehem as a babe in a manger, God came as a human. The infinite humbled himself to become an infant. God in human flesh. He came to live a life that we couldn't live. And as Adam, our first representative, blew it, God sent his son to be the second Adam, the second representative. So he could live a life in our place so that he could pay the penalty for us as represented for all of mankind. God with us. But he didn't just come to be God with us. He was God for us. This is something many of us probably need to understand differently tonight, is that God is not against you. God is not after you. God's not trying to hurt you. God isn't the, the, the big white bearded judge up in the sky waiting to hit you with his gavel. That is a wrong idea of who God is. God is actually for you. God wants great things in your life. God, God is for you. He's behind you. He's got plans for you and all of them are good. And so God came, Jesus came to be for us. And out of all the babies that were ever born to live on the earth, think about this, Jesus as a baby was born to die. God becoming flesh. Yes, it brought God to man, but it wasn't it's not that alone that can bring man to God. It took God living for us. It took God embedding our sin in his life, our guilt, our failure. It took Jesus embedding the perversions of our minds, the actions of our life, our unfaithfulness, our lies into himself and paying the penalty for us, dying for us, enduring the cross in our place. Christmas is when God came to do what you could not do yourself. That's good news. Most of us live under the shroud of, but I'm nasty, I'm terrible. God, I, I, don't, I, I don't deserve to be forgiven. Nobody deserves to be forgiven. That's why it's called the grace of God. Nobody by your own works can please God. Nobody can. That's why Jesus came as the babe in a manger. He came for you. Titus 2.14 says that Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own. That is his very own. 
The reason why Jesus came is because God wanted you in his family. Friends, if that's not the greatest gift that anybody could have, I don't know what is. That's why he came, to bring us into his family, to give us a belonging, to give us a place to be. It's God's purpose for each one of us. It's God's purpose of the most famous verse of all times of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave for us. So whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. I want you to catch that. God did not send his son to condemn you. He sent him, as the scripture says, that we might be saved. That's why Jesus came. And so he, who was the son of God, became the son of man, that we who are sons of men have the promise that now we can become sons of God. God for us. From the cradle to the cross, from Bethlehem to the beatings, from the manger all the way to Mount Calvary, his purpose was to seek and save that which was lost. And that's you and me. To seek and save the lost. Jesus often spoke of his purpose. So as Jesus grew up from a babe, he he spoke of his purpose of why he was there. And he often said that he has come to die. He's come to lay his life down. He's come as a sacrifice, as a servant. Now the disciples around him didn't want to hear it. They were like, no, no, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And they're probably thinking this. No, you can't be killed, Jesus. You walk on the water. You heal the sick. You open blind eyes. You restore dignity back to those who have lost it because of their own failures. Like, uh, Jesus, you do know you just commanded the weather the other day, right? So who's going to kill you? And really, they were probably right. Well, they were right. That no man can actually take the life of Jesus. I want you to listen to what Jesus said. He says, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and authority to pick it up again. In other words, Jesus came for us on a mission with a purpose. And you were that purpose. And so God became one of us so he could be God for us so that he could then become God in us. God became us to go to the cross for us so that when we repent of our sins, put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit then becomes God in us. And those who put their faith in Christ, this is what Christmas is about. It's not that God is with us and for us, it's also that he is in us. In us to help us in life, in us to lead us and guide us, in us to give us peace, in us, he's in us to give us understanding when we're facing confusion. He's in us to help us discern what is the right thing to do. He's God in us. He just didn't come to save us and then say, hey, you're on your own. He didn't just spin us like a top in the world and be like, well, let's just, I hope you don't hit anything. No, he came to live in us because he loves us. Because it was our intent, our created intent to be in relationship with him. Again, I don't want us just to see Christmas. I want us to experience it fresh and new.
2 Corinthians 1 says God set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Guaranteeing. So when you put your faith in Christ, what happens is the spirit is a guarantee. It's the seal on our life. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. None of us here can earn our salvation. None of us here have, we, we were born under the curse of sin. None of us here. So when we put our faith in Christ and we repent of our sins, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of what is to come. And what, what Paul is talking about here is our eternal salvation. It's about us in heaven. It's a guarantee. Now, we can't guarantee our salvation because we don't have the goods to do it, but the Spirit of God does. And that's the beauty of Christmas. That's the beginning of the, of the beauty of Christmas, that we would see it and understand it, but first we would experience it. His Spirit is in our minds. His Spirit is in our wills. His Spirit is in our hearts to guide us and to lead us. This is the desire of God for all of humanity. This is the beauty of Christmas that he desires to come and live in us, to be closer than a friend, closer than a brother. I was just thinking, actually in worship, how faithful God has been. And just out of my mouth as I was praying, I said, I said God, you've been such a faithful friend. Through the ups and downs in life, he's never changed. Through my own failures, he's never turned his back on me. I said, you've been such a kind king. You've been such a benevolent God. But he's been my friend. And he wants to be your friend. He wants this Christmas for us maybe to be reminded of that friendship we actually have. And we've forgotten that he's in us. We've forgotten that relationship that he desires to have with us. Again, it's the beauty of Christmas. When, I, when you see Christmas for really what it is, when you see the, the content of it, when you experience the content of it versus just seeing it, when you see this, that actually Jesus wasn't born in a palace. I mean, this is the God of the universe becoming one of us and he wasn't born in a palace. He was actually born in something that most wouldn't ever consider ever being born, being born in. No, listen, people don't get on hot, hot wire and look up like manger places I can stay. They don't look up stables, barns I can sleep in. No, we wouldn't wanna be there. But Jesus was born there. And remember, this wasn't some accident, it was purposeful. Out of all the places God chose to be born in human flesh in a barn. Now, when you think about barns, I grew up in, 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 in the country with the barn. Listen, you can clean that barn all you want. Guess what? It's going to get messy. That God chose for his son to be born in a barn in the midst of a mess. And when I, when I think of those things, when I think of, man, it smelled bad. It, it was dirty. It was dusty. No one would want to be born there. No one would want to really even sleep there or even go there. It gives me great hope. 
That if God would allow a son to be born in a place that everyone else wouldn't even consider? Gives me great hope that that means he was willing to be born, yes, in that mess, but he also is willing to be born in this mess. In this mess. That gives me great hope. He wants to come and dwell in the midst of our mess, of our flaws, of our brokenness, of our imperfections, of our not measuring up, in, in our not even living up to our own expectations. He, he chose to be born in our mess, things that we're embarrassed about. Things that no one else knows. Jesus says, I want to be born right in that mess. Because that's why I came. That I'm God for you. I'm God in you. Christmas means that there's hope, friends. Christmas means that it's not about our efforts. It's about his love for us. That's, that's the beauty of Christmas. That means there's hope for your family. That means there's hope for your children. That means there's hope for your marriage. That means there's hope for whatever you're going through, that Jesus wants to be with you in your mess. I thank God for that. God is with us. Christmas is about God is for us. He's also God is in us to that day when then it will be us with God. That's what Christmas is about. Friends, this is our promise. For believers who have gone on and passed away, it's them with God. If we were to pass away as believers, then we would be with God. There's also a great promise that Jesus will be returning. And I, I want to share with you this passage out of, out of Revelations that speaks about what that day is going to be like with us with God. Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Now, I want you to look at this. This is the promise that Christmas makes us. He, Jesus, will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. So the reality is this. We live in a world that is broken. The reality is this, we, live, we have an adversary who is the enemy of God and the enemy of us. And he's been ruling on the earth. He's wrapped his nasty, slimy hands around everything that God created for us to be for our good, to be a blessing to us. But friends, the hope of Christmas is this. There will be a moment in time, it will come, that God says, death, it's your last victim. That God says, 
Satan, that's your last deception. That God says, sin, you will not impact physical bodies anymore. There is a day when the tears will be wiped away and all things will be made new. That's what the, Christ, that's what the Christmas story is about. That we have a hope that we can be with God, that we can be, he can be, he's for us, that he is in us, and that we can be with him from this life and to the next. That's the beauty of Christmas. It's the greatest gift we could ever receive is the assurance in our hearts that God loves us and there is hope regardless of what happens. Regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what you're dealing with, there will be a day. Your mourning is, will not last forever. Your tears will not last forever. Your pain will not last forever. Christmas says there is a hope and it is Jesus. Christmas says, I don't want you just to see it. I want you to experience it in your heart. It's the beauty of Christmas. And so... Let Christmas actually give you hope. So as you are, as the tears fall from your, from your eyes and moments of pain, may that remind us that one day he will wipe away all tears. It's coming. Every death that you may experience and mourn, may it remind us one day you won't mourn anymore. One day the hold of sin on the human body will be broken. When, when you feel pain in your body and your heart and your emotion from difficult circumstances, from, from failures, may it remind you that one day there will be no more pain. This is the hope of Christmas. It's the whole scope. Yes, it is the beautiful night that Jesus arrived, yes. But it's also for the purpose for us to be with God. There's this really incredible story that I came across. And it's about the message of Christmas regarding us being with God. And so it's the story of a Russian missionary who, what he did is he went in and he worked in, with orphanage, with, with orphans at different orphanages around Russia. And he would bring in crafts and their team would come in and minister to them. And this was many, many years ago. But he writes about one time he was in an orphanage and taught them the Christmas story, which the staff nor the kids had ever heard. And the missionary said, we gave the children some materials and instructed them to create the manger scene that they had just heard about. All went well until I got to one table where little Misha sat. He looked to be about six years old and had finished his project. As I looked at the little boy's manger, I was startled to see not one, but two babies in the manger. So I called for a translator to ask why. Looking at his completed manger scene, the child began to repeat the story accurately until he came to the part where Mary put the baby Jesus in the manger. Then Misha started to ad lib his own ending to the story. He said, and when Mary laid the baby in the manger, Jesus looked at me and asked me if I had a place to stay. I told him, I have no mama 
and no papa. So I don't have a place to stay. Then Jesus told me I could stay with him. So I got into the manger with him. And then Jesus looked at me and he told me I could stay with him forever. Then Misha put his hands over his face. His head dropped to the table and his shoulders shook as he sobbed and sobbed. For the first time in his life, he had found someone who would never abandon nor abuse, someone who would stay with him forever. That's the story of Christmas. That's the, that's the content of Christmas. That God became flesh for the purpose for us to be with him forever. May we not just see Christmas, may we experience it. May it shape our lives, may it shape our minds. May it transform how we view ourselves and view the world around us. May we just not see it. Regardless of maybe you don't know God tonight or you've known him for years. Every Christmas, God wants to do something in our lives that gives us an overwhelming sense of his care and his love for us. And I believe that God wants to do the same tonight in your life. So regardless of where you are, May you experience what Christmas is about. May you experience the love and the life of God who sent his son. Regardless of where you are, may we all tonight embrace and see Christmas, not just as a front or a shell. May we see it to its heart. and that God so loved you that he sent his son who was first born in a manger in Bethlehem. Let's pray. Father, I wanna thank you for the truth of your word. I wanna thank you, God, for the beautiful message of Christmas. Lord, I know tonight that there are many people here who are maybe experiencing Christmas fresh and new. And so, Lord, tonight, I pray that we would see and experience the content of what this is about. That, Lord, you came for us. And, Lord, maybe there are many people here tonight that they need to be reminded that actually, God, you are with us. That you're not far off. That you're not this God that thinks we're, we're nasty. That you're actually with us. That God, maybe there's some tonight that need to be reminded that you are God for us. Maybe they have lived under the shroud of God. You've been after them to hurt them or to, or to find a, a, an opportunity to do something to them in a negative way. And God, may those lies be shattered tonight. May they know tonight that actually, God, you're for them. And Lord, tonight, maybe we need to be reminded of the spirit, of your spirit, Christ in us. That is, as our helper, as the one who gives us discernment, as the one who is closer than a brother. 
Lord, maybe tonight we need to be anchored to the great hope of the future. Maybe there are those here tonight who lost loved ones. Or maybe this is a, the first Christmas without them. God, may you assure them and give them peace right now that one day their tears will be wiped away. This is the beauty of Christmas, God. And we're so grateful for your love. Just remain with your heads bowed for a moment. If you're here tonight and you, you would recognize that you do not know Jesus, you've never put your faith in knowing God through putting your faith in Christ, and you recognize right now that you need a Savior, that need you, you need to be forgiven, and you want a relationship with God, and you want to become a child of God, that's you tonight. Nobody's looking around. Just slip your hand up right now just quick and you put it right back down. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Many hands. Many hands. Thank you so much. And that was just a step to just recognize that, yes, I want to follow Jesus. And so I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I just pray that as you put your faith in Christ, that you would know he loves you. He cares for you, and he's got a great future for you. And we're going to all pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I put my trust in you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead. And I believe you're coming again. I put my faith in you and put my trust in you. From this moment forward, I belong to you. Do with me whatever you want. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen.